So, praise the Lord. Well, we're in the book of Matthew, and last time in lesson 54, we noted that with chapter 19 of Matthew, Yeshua began this final phase of his ministry before his death. It began with a discourse on divorce, more particularly uh, the importance of marriage. Because if you understand the importance of the commitment of marriage, then for you, divorce is really no longer an option, except in rare instances. Marriage actually restores man back into the image of God because he made man male and female. Anyway, so this week we come to another of Yeshua's pressing concerns. And it comes in the form of a rich young man coming to him with his own pressing concern about his life. The passage is difficult to completely understand out of context, and so it's had varying interpretations over the years. Some have taken these words of Yeshua to mean that they should live a life of poverty, a life of denial of earthly goods. But if we look at Yeshua's life, who we are to emulate, and some of the other words that he taught, we understand that that would render that a non-interpretation. Even if we look at the early church, who I'm sure completely understood this passage perfectly, we would note that they didn't live lives of poverty. But if we look at the book of Acts, we find that the wealthy actually gave to equality, not to poverty. All of that aside, these are some extremely difficult words for us as well. And the reason they're difficult is because we live in a country where we have such wealth. And many of Yeshua's teachings have to do with giving away that wealth. And for those with much, some of these lessons can be a hard thing. But here's the thing. You know, when we fully understand this passage and we realize it's not really about money. It's about commitment. It's about discipleship. Money and its pursuit are just one of the things that can keep you from commitment to God and discipleship to Yeshua. And when we fully understand, we we really begin to see that we, like the young man, have fallen short. And so when we fully understand a passage like this, it can make us feel as if we're failing in our walks with the Lord. And let me say, sadly, in most cases, we are. So let's look at this today. It begins in verse 16 of chapter 19, and it says, Now a man came up to Yeshua and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, if you compare the wording of this passage in Matthew with Mark and Luke, you'll find that it's slightly different. The word good is used slightly different in Matthew than it is in Luke or Mark, who put the good before teacher, good teacher. But Matthew puts it before the deed. When we compare this with Mark and Luke, something else sticks out as well. Both Mark and Luke have the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Matthew has this, what good thing must I do? And so Matthew makes it sound as if there's one single thing that you could do to get life. That will get you eternal life. But if we look at Matthew's rendering, in the light of what Luke and Mark say in this rendering of this event, we might better understand the question like this. What good must I do to inherit eternal life? Not a single good, 
Not a single thing that's good, but what good must I do ongoing? The other problem here is is this phrase, get eternal life. And the problem with this phrase is that eternal life in the thought of the day, this man would have already had a portion in the world to come in the thought of the day, in eternal life. We have an Israelite here asking how to get something that in the thought of the day was part of being Israel. They had a portion in the world to come. Sanhedrin 10 from the Talmud says, all Israel has a portion in the world to come. And this belief comes from the words of Isaiah chapter 60 as he speaks of Israel's glory in the world to come. It says in verse 21, then will all your people be righteous And they will possess the land forever. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands, for the display of my splendor. And so, what I want you to see, it was believed at this time, if you were part of Israel as this young man is, you would already have a portion in the world to come. In fact, the thought of the day was that if you were a Gentile, In order for you to have a portion in the world to come, you needed to attach yourself to Israel. We can see this in the words of Shaul and Peter. They tell us things like, we've been grafted into the olive tree. Or Israel. And they say things like, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And so the question he asked would seem a bit out of place for an Israelite by the thought of the day because he would already be considered as as having a share in the world to come. But he does. He comes and he asks this question, how do I get eternal life? Or we could say, how can I get the world to come? However, you know, we might understand the question better if we consider this. Even if you were Israel, you could be cut off from Israel. And if you were cut off, you would lose your portion in the world to come. So maybe the question would be better understood is how might I maintain my place in the world to come? And if we look at the word that's used for get in the Greek, it means to have, to hold, to hold fast, to keep. You see, it would be within the parameters of the word to say, how do I hold fast to the world to come? And that would be in more in line with the rest of Yeshua's teachings. Because to think... Otherwise, would lead one to think that Yeshua is teaching that keeping the commands could get you to the world to come. And when we consider the other words of Yeshua, I don't think we can go to there. And so again, since this is an Israelite, and the prevailing thought of the day is that Israel has a share in the world to come, I think the question would be better understand like this. I think I put the verse up here. Now, a man came up to Yeshua and asked, What good must I do to hold fast to eternal life? Speaking to an Israelite who knows the Torah, he responds this way. Yeshua responds this way in verse 17. Why do you ask me about what is good? Yeshua replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Now, when it says there's only one who is good, where would that take you? In the Bible, the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's only one who is good. The Lord is the one, and he and all that belong to him 
are one in his kingdom. One with him. So the good you see is the good that he's already given to us in his word, in his commands. If you want life, if you want to keep your place in Israel, keep the commands. It's that simple, right? In other words, you know Torah. Keep the commands of God because he's the one who is good and his commands tell us how to be good, right? You don't need to ask about what is good. The one who is good has given you the commands. Just follow them. And notice something else. Yeshua doesn't include the word eternal. He just says, if you want life, obey the commands. And I don't know about you, but this brings two things to my mind. Yeshua sees eternal life as having already begun. Your eternal life has begun. And you might think that sounds simple when you think about it, but did the young man realize that? And more importantly, do we really realize that? That our eternal life has already begun? And if so, do we live like eternal life has already begun? You see, what comes to my mind when I read this is Deuteronomy 30 and verse 11. And listen to what it says. Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you should ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor it is beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth. And in your heart, so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, his decrees and his laws. And you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. You see what he says? The commands are near you. And so if the commands are near you, then it stands that life is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. Obey the commands of the Lord your God. Love him with all your heart. Yeshua is saying that what you are or what you are not in regard to eternal life is what you are now. Life has begun. Life is near you. In the commands of God. It's not hard. It's not difficult. Except that we make it difficult. It's not hard. We sin not because the commands are so hard or beyond our reach because God told us that they're not. So why do we sin? Well, we're going to find out as we continue. Does this all fit into the gospel message of Yeshua? Well, yes, it does. We're saved by faith. And we enter life when we keep the commands of God. If we do not walk as Yeshua walked, even though he paid the price for our salvation, if we do not walk in that salvation, if our lives do not change, then we haven't entered life. Much the same refrain we hear in the book of Hebrews. Listen to what Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 6. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached them did not go in. Because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day calling it today. 
When a long time later he spoke through David as it was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken later of another day. The Sabbath rest of God, which we all know is the world to come, right? Anybody doesn't know that? Has begun. And it begins today if you hear his voice, if you obey God who is God, you can enter life that is life today. You enter not in the future, but today. You enter life today. That is, if you don't harden your hearts. In other words, if you keep yourselves from sin and obey God. Listen to what verse 12 says. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Life is here today if you hear his voice and do not allow sin to harden your heart. It's not that hard. We've been saved by faith, but that salvation should lead you into a grateful and faithful obedience to God. And if you do not do that, you may have salvation, but you haven't entered into life. You haven't entered into the life that Yeshua secured for you because his life is a life without sin. So that's not hard. But the young man, he still pursues and asks another question. And in essence, he's asking, do any of the commands carry more weight than the others? As he says this in his second question in verse 18. Which ones? The man inquired. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And so Yeshua answers, as you would expect, with some of the Ten Commandments. And he answers with the ones that deal with our relationship with each other. And he couples it with a quote from Leviticus 19, which really sums up all the others. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you have to ask, why wouldn't Yeshua say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might? And the answer lies in the way that we show the love for our God. When we show, we show the love that we have for God, in the way we treat our neighbor, whether we obey God or not. If you're doing the things that he states, then loving the Lord your God is obviously displayed in your life because loving each other like this, loving each other like ourselves, is not something that we're prone to do. So the first question we have to ask ourselves if we're looking at this passage in light of ourselves is, do we love our neighbors as ourselves? and thereby display the kingdom of heaven to others? Do we care for the needs of those in need as Yeshua did? Do we tell the hard truth to others as Yeshua is about to do to this young man? Do we act fairly in our judgments before we speak that hard truth? Are we merciful? Are we compassionate? Are we loving? Are we just and honest? Not only with others, but are we just and honest with ourselves? Because we're going to see this young man was not. 
Those are hard questions. They're soul-searching questions, heart-searching questions that we all have to ask. Because maintaining life is a continual soul and heart search. However, as I said, the young man, without much soul or heart searching, asked the third and final question. In verse 20 he says, All these I've kept. The young man said, What do I still lack? And Yeshua said, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The young man answers, he doesn't do a lot of soul searching, doesn't do a lot of heart searching. He just says, all these I've kept. And Yeshua, realizing that he hasn't understood and he hasn't searched his heart, so Yeshua, in his answer, searches his heart for him. And he comes up with the flaw that the young man knew was there all along. It's the answer he sought all along with his questions. The young man knew in his heart there was something missing. And that's why he asked the questions. He asked because he still not understood the heart of God for the commands of God. He knew something was amiss in his life, but he would not or he could not look at it. And it's not something that's unique to this young man either. It's the same for all of us. We all know, I think, in our heart of hearts that there's something amiss. Something that we hide from the forefront of our lives because maybe it's too hard to change. You hear Christians say, you know, I'm not perfect, I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. And then they continue, go out and continue to walk in their sin. The only difference between those people and this young man is this young man had the sense to be sad, as we're going to see. Yeshua answers his question. I want you to see how he answers his question with such kindness, with an answer that will cause soul-searching that the young man needs to do. And he doesn't confront the young man with an accusatory fashion. He does not argue with whether he has kept the commands, but he merely states where he lacks, just as he asked. And Yeshua says, if you want to be perfect... And I want to look at the word that's used here for perfect, teleos. It means wanting nothing necessary to completeness. Consummate human integrity, virtue, maturity. He says if you want to be completely virtuous, fully matured, and lack nothing in life, in the life you seek, then sell all you have. In other words, sell your surplus, your wealth, your abundance, all that you value, give it to the poor. Hey, you know the poor. They're your neighbors, the ones you said that you've loved as yourself. You say you love them as yourself, but why then is there such a wide discrepancy in the way you live and the way they live? Sell it so that your treasure will be in heaven. Or we could say that your treasure is in God. Because remember, heaven is just a circumlocution for God. So that your treasure is in God and then follow me. You see, Yeshua saw something in the young man that the young man had failed to admit to himself. And as we're soon going to read, he couldn't even bear to look at it. Yeshua did not say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and might because he knew something about this young man. 
And it's something that the Talmud states. Listen to what Talmud says in Berakot 61b. And you shall love the Lord your God. It has been taught, Rabbi Eliezer says, if it says with all thy soul, why should it also say with all thy might? And if it says with all thy might, why should it also say with, with all thy soul? Should there be a man who values his life more than his money? For him, it says, with all thy soul. Should there be a man who values his money more than his life? For him, it says, with all thy might. You see, the problem for him and us is we often fail to see or fail to look at where we fall short. We walk around thinking we're good when in fact we've fallen short of God's righteous standards. The passage well about money and the young man's wealth is about much more than his wealth. It's about searching yourself for the places you've fallen short. It's about taking an honest look at your life and asking, do I really love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might? Do I really love my neighbor as myself? Because as we read in Deuteronomy, it's not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven that you have to ask, who will ascend to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross to get it and proclaim to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart. So obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Search your heart for the areas that are hardened. Because it's not the commands that are hard. It's your heart that's hard. The young man had fallen short because of his money, but the question we need to ask is what comes between us in life? Where in our lives have we removed ourselves from life that is life? And we're walking back into the world. Where have we fallen short of the true essence of the commands of God? We need to ask because life, our eternal lives, have, as Yeshua says, begun. And whether we have a portion in life, hey, it's something we decide in our actions every day. Those who walk in life that is life are fully matured in Messiah and walk as he walked. They do it today because they've heard his voice. And so they've entered into life that is life. And when Yeshua says, come follow me, he calls the young men into discipleship with him. Before the call, he tells him what it's going to cost him. Discipleship with Yeshua costs you everything. For the young man, it was his wealth. It was who he was. He had wealth. And wealth was wrapped up in who he was. When you think about it, it's really not that hard. Think about this. If someone were to describe you to someone else who didn't know your name but had seen you in the synagogue, what would they say? Because that's how Yeshua knows this young man. His demeanor, his dress, and everything about him spoke about who he was. That's why Yeshua said, sell all you have. 
Yeshua knew, though it was not stated, that he was rich. He had wealth. And it was important in his life. It was more important than life, than entering into life that is life. It was more important than obedience to God. And so we ask ourselves, what in our lives is more important than walking as Yeshua, as living as Yeshua, being disciples of Yeshua? What is it that is so important that we place before full maturity in the Lord. Verse 22 says, When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The one who was the complete answer to his question was standing in front of him. The fullness, the completeness of the answer to the question was standing in front of him. Discipleship with Yeshua was the answer to his question. You see, being a disciple of Yeshua is life. It is life eternal. And it begins today if you hear his voice. And you're not like this young man and put something else before that discipleship. You see, I see this young man like many, if not most people, we're all in a place where we have something we put ahead of our walks with God. We're to be walking in our eternal lives. Eternal life has begun for us. But are we complete? Are we fully matured? Think about it. You know, I was writing this sermon at the conference, and at the conference, uh, Joel Chernoff sang. And he sang one of his more touching songs. I think it's the most touching song he ever wrote. And when he sings this song, he, it actually stops people. And they immediately enter into worship because the song is this powerful. I still remember the very first time I heard this song, it reduced me to tears. And I put the slide up here. It goes, Lord, I come to you with a humble heart, seeking more of you, wanting less of me wanting more of you. That's where the young man is. He knows, he knows something's amiss in his life. And it's where we all are too. It's why the song stops us in our tracks. It stops us because we know there's something missing. It brings us to our knees, realizing that we need more of him in our lives. Then as the chorus says, holy unto you, Hear my solemn prayer and make me holy unto you. We all know like the young man that we lack. And this song reminds us that we lack. The song makes us stop for a moment and ask, where do we lack? I know I've missed life. I know there's more. What must I do? And so we cry, kadosh, kadosh, lacha. Holy unto you. Make me holy unto you. That's what we cry. But if we were listening to Yeshua, he'd say this, holy unto you. W-H-O-L-L-Y unto you. Yeshua says to the young man, be holy unto me and I'll make you holy unto me. 
If you'll be holy unto me, fully matured in me. It's not enough to have areas of our lives that are holy unto God. We need lives that are holy gods. No secret areas that are ours. Nothing more important. Nothing of more value. Disciples of the Master. Fully matured in the Master. Holy in the Master. And so we ask ourselves, Yeshua was a servant. Where do we serve in the kingdom of God? Yeshua gave all that he would or could be in this life to you and me. What do we give to the Kehillat of Yeshua? You see, for me, it boils down to the words of Shaul. He says, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. And so since we were bought, we're now slaves to God. We don't even belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And he asks us to be holy, holy unto him. What the young man lacked was life, a life that was completely matured, a life devoted to God. He was not willing to die. To who he was so that he could enter into life that is life because to enter life you have to die Yeshua seeing the young man walk away he says this to his disciples Yeshua said to his disciples I tell you the truth it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven again I tell you it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. There was no gate in Jerusalem called the eye of the camel, or the camel, or the eye of the needle, I should say. Yeshua is speaking of eternal life that has begun, and he says, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And we'll speak of the phrase next week, but what we're going to see is that it means it's impossible. Can a camel go through the eye of a needle? No, it's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Just as it's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Where is the wealth in your life? Where's the treasure in your life? Because that's what keeps you from being holy unto Yeshua. The young man knew it. He knew there was still something, even though he was convinced he had done everything since his youth, he knew there was more, and when confronted with the more, he walked away sad. We all know what it is. We all know what keeps us from responding what keeps us from responding when we hear a need in the community what is it that keeps you in your pew and not serving in the community what keeps you living a life that's not completely matured in god i want to bring the worship team up and i've got a few more words to say but i want to bring the worship team up quietly and as we sing this song i want us to begin to ask ourselves what keeps us continually walking away sad like this young man walking away sad continually the spirit of God is always tugging at our hearts we all have these areas that we continually over and over fail to change and so when the spirit of God tugs we walk away sad
think about it. What keeps us sitting in our chairs when we hear of needs in the community? When we hear of a need in our children's department, what keeps us from walking away sad? What keeps us serving only in areas that serve us or that we want to serve in or that are happy for? You know, I once asked a gal to serve in the children's department and her response was, I serve in the dance. I don't have time. Friends, dancing is not serving. It's joyful praise. It's like me saying, I don't have time to serve because I'm going to stay in the worship service and sing songs. It's baloney. She danced, and as she danced, she was really walking away sad. Because how could that be a praise to God? If we put it back into the context of money, let me say, I, I signed a lot of giving reports this week. And if 10% is what God recommends, then there's a whole lot of sad walkers. Listen, friends, I could, like Yeshua did to the young man, walk through the building today, walk up to each one of you and probably put my finger on some area of selfishness in your life and you'd have to make a choice, life or walk away sad. But I'm not going to do that because you, like the young man, already know. I know the areas of my life. You don't need someone else to tell you. You already know in your heart of hearts what it is. And we need to be like Matthew, like Peter, like Shaul, and search our own lives. Let Yeshua show you the areas you've fallen short, the areas you're not matured. And for God's sake and for your sake, don't walk away sad because I can tell you the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Life that is life has begun. The Sabbath rest of God begins today if you don't harden your heart. Don't be the rich young man and walk away sad. Be Peter so that one day you can stand before the Lord and say, we've left everything to follow you. What is there then for us? So as we sing this song today, let's ask ourselves, let's ask Yeshua, what do we lack? And then say, holy, holy unto you. Give it away. This day, because this day and each and every day is a day of life that is life, a day of your eternal life. Don't walk away from life sad. Amen?